Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. a fellow realtor as my guest today. He runs one of the top real estate teams in the country and he has the number one team in his market. He was the host of a hit reality TV series, Waterfront Housing Hunting, where he traveled all over the country finding great waterfront property. He now travels the country delivering his agent to mega agent, talked to thousands of real estate agents, where he talks about his journey and his systems that enabled him to go from $14 million a year in sales to $130 million in sales a year in just five years. It is my great honor and privilege to welcome Nick Waldner. Thank you very much. I'm a bit, uh, pleasure to be here. Awesome. I'm so excited to have another realtor on my show. It's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to ask you, I understand you graduated from Salisbury University. Is that right? I did. I did. The Harvard of the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Wow. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I kind of awesome. made it up. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, my, my assistant, she, uh, she graduated from Salisbury and she knew I was interviewing you today and she was just really excited to have a fellow alumni. So you're in great company. Very nice. Yeah. She's, that's terrific. Well, before I ask you about, you know, your business success, which is just enormous, I just wanted to ask you about your personal adventures. Cause I know you've done some crazy outrageous things like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa and skydiving over New Zealand. So I just really wanted to ask you what makes you want to push yourself, you know, so, so much physically like that. And do you have a death wish? <laughs> uh, that if you had asked my mom, she might say so. But I guess I've always been drawn to, you know, kind of the outdoors, Mother Nature, you know, putting myself in a position where I'm not always in control. In our businesses, you can control your actions, you can control your activities. You know, there's a lot of decisions that you get to make to, to determine your fate. When it comes to being out in nature, it's a little bit different. If it starts to rain, when we're summiting, you know, the highest mountain in Africa, it's going to rain. Or if it starts to snow, it's going to snow. There's really nothing you can do but adapt and survive. So I, for me, it's a pursuit of passion where I get to get out, <clears throat> get some adrenaline going and really enjoy myself outside of my work world. And then I come back re-energized and ready to kind of conquer the next task in the work world so that I can earn the right to go on the next trip. That is really cool. I mean, it sounds really scary, but um, but I, I can imagine it really keeps, you know, you prepared to make those pivotal changes in real time where you don't, you can't control all those factors, not just personally on a, on a mountain, but in business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a great, I also do it in a way that uh, creates a mastermind group out of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that once a year and now twice a year at this point, I travel the globe with some of the hottest entrepreneurs, some of the, the biggest real estate agents in the country. And what you find is during the off time, if we're sitting around a campfire or, you know, we just got out of, out of the water, if we're surfing in Africa we, or uh, in Australia, if we're coming out and sitting on the beach, the conversations typically lead to business and lead to uh, personal and professional development. So, 
you get the the thrill and the adventure that I'm always seeking, but it combines with a business aspect. And then I, I, I create some really great friendships and really great bonding experiences with, you know, people that I wouldn't I wouldn't know on that level. That is really cool. And I, and I feel like, I know I just went hang gliding in Santa Barbara about a month ago and it was the first time I've, I've ever done it. And I feel like when you push yourself physically, like I was really scared to do it. And then once I did it, it was like, wow, this, you know, this really wasn't that scary once I actually did it. And, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. And I felt like that's something that I really could take pushing yourself like that to, to go beyond the fear really helps me in my business and in everything else that I'm doing, not just, you know, adventures. Yeah. And you can take that with any business. If you're in sales, no matter what you do, and you need to make a cold call or you need to call a client and give them bad news, or, you know, you need to take on any experience that you've never done. There's always going to be that reluctance and that fear. And the people that push through that and the people that uh, that conquer those fears are the ones that are going to truly be successful. So if you can start doing it in your personal life, it becomes a lot easier to do in your business world. Yeah, absolutely. And it keeps you in shape, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Well, tell us about, you know, how you got in business. Now you, you work with your mom or do you, or you did work with your mom. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when I graduated college at the time, so my four years of college and, and two years after I spent in the summers in Ocean City, Maryland, which is a resort community selling literally uh, pictures. So we would run around the beach. I had an entire sales force of about 40 guys and they'd run up and down the beach and ask families and, and groups if they wanted to get their pictures done. Then they'd come in that night and buy them. Long story short, you know, we were doing about 1.1, 1.2 million in sales uh, by the time I had finished that, uh, you know, over the course of, of my uh, five or six years with them. So it really kind of taught me how to run a business, how to run a sales team, how to focus on the numbers and, and you know, kind of set our goals. So coming out of that, I got into uh, franchising. And uh, the franchise we had selected at the time, so this is 2001, 2002, was called Cold Stone Creamery. So if you're an ice cream fan, you definitely know what Cold Stone Creamery is. At the time, it was the hottest, fastest growing franchise in the country. We had purchased the territory, myself and a couple partners of Maryland, Delaware, D.C., Pennsylvania, and the lower half of New Jersey. And we started building out about 50 stores a year in our market. So we were really, you know, kind of cranking it on pace. And I was handling all the commercial real estate of it. Long story, again, uh, just shortened. There was a decision where I knew it was not the the long-term business for me and I wanted to get out of it. So when I, I really enjoyed the real estate aspect of it and my mom, who had at the time been in the business for 30 plus years, now she's been in the business about 40 years, but basically retired. So I came to her and said, you know, hey, I'm thinking about going into real estate. And she said, absolutely. I can show you everything. I'll teach you. So I got to step into the world of real estate and really have a mentor, have somebody that I could call at six in the morning or at 10 o'clock at night, whatever I needed. You know, it's your mom. So they, she was there to answer questions. And not, not to mention, she was also one of the top agents in the area. She was number one in listings, number one in sale sales month after month after month. So she was an excellent, excellent resource to, to be my mentor in that aspect. She was very clear from the beginning that she was there to teach me everything that I wanted to know. 
but our businesses weren't going to go together. Uh, my business was always going to be separate from her business because she really wanted me to do it on my own. She didn't want to be handing me anything, which, you know, I, I thank her for that. And my entire life was kind of like that. We, we never had financial struggles. We were always, you know, very well off in terms of, you know, just the, the necessities. But yet my parents would never do things like buy us a car or, you know, just kind of the little things that sometimes your friends would get. And you'd look back and go, man, I wish my parents bought me a car. My parents bought me a $500 car and said, every dollar you save will match it towards your next car. So it, it created that instinct to go out and work hard and then come back. And, and with that hard work, then I was able to purchase, you know, a, a car. I wasn't embarrassed to go on dates in and stuff like that. So, <laughs> So that, that continued right into real estate as well. So she showed me exactly what she was doing. And, and my mom is very entrepreneurial. She does not have a purposeful plan every day. She just would get up and she would do her normal thing. And it really, really worked. So I actually sat down and started going through everything she did on a daily basis to determine what are the most important things she's doing that's creating all this business? And what are some of the things that we can stop doing? Because she just doesn't need to be doing those anymore. It's not beneficial enough. And so it's really uh, the 80-20 principle. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. So 80% of our, of our outcome comes from 20% of our effort. So it's focusing on what is that 20%. And if I can spend more than 20% of my time in that 20%, then my outcome can be that much bigger. So I really was into that, really kind of uh, working through that. I got into, you know, kind of the idea of building a team and, to, and use my time more valuable. As a single agent, one of the hardest times, uh, one of the hardest things you're going to find is the amount of time you have. So what you end up doing is you're running around, you're showing customers, you're out with new clients, you're trying to lead generate for ne- for the next one, then you got a contract, then you got to, you know, process the whole thing and get the contract, you got to get it over to, you know, all the different departments that need it. And it's so much overwhelming paperwork, in my opinion, that I didn't want to do that. I love the aspect of talking to clients. I love the idea of negotiating. I was 100% sold on the people aspect of the business, but very unhappy with the, uh, the paperwork side of it. So, you know, I guess about my second year in the business, third year in the business, I said, all right, I'm doing really well. I'm going to hire an assistant. And at the time, everybody kind of looked at me like I was crazy. You know, fast forward. Now we have a team of 23, uh, 24 as of, as of today. And then we have another six that are going to be hired by January 1st. So now we're going to be at 30 people. It changes your dynamic when you start adding people and you start making them experts at what they do. Wow. That's a huge team. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really yeah. a big team to, to manage. I would think, you know, just, and in fact, that makes me wonder, how do you go about hiring people? Because a lot of times you'll hear about, in fact, I was wondering if you've ever had a, one of those personality tests. I, I really meant to personality testing. Have you ever had your personality test done? Absolutely. Every single person on my team, every hire, we go through a behavioral analysis of everyone. What you find is, you know, your typical salesperson is somebody who's really outgoing, really social, you know, or somebody who's goal driven, really wants to win, really wants to kind of push themselves. So when you're looking for a salesperson, you better find somebody that has that type of behavioral style. Then again, that same behavioral style is typically very low on accuracy, 
you know, I'd rather just get it done and move on than make sure it's absolutely right and spend an extra two or three hours in it. Mm-hmm. And so then that that person, that same behavioral style lends itself very poorly on the administration side of the business. So when you mirror those two people, you bring somebody who is really supportive, really accurate, really likes the details, along with somebody who's really people oriented, really fast moving and really um, aggressive. Those two people combined really make the, the best best possible sales agent. So what we do is we're looking for those behavioral styles. We're looking for the salesperson personalities so we can put them in a role that they really enjoy and then immediately take off their plate all the things they don't enjoy, all the paperwork, all the nitty gritty, and then hiring somebody who enjoys that and likes the day-to-day activity and likes to know exactly what they're doing every single day. There are no surprises and they, they plug and chug and they just keep going through. So we look for those people so that we hire the right people in the right positions. Yeah, I mean, I would, I definitely have experienced that myself. I'm same, same way. That's once I hired my niece a year and a half ago, my life changed. I was able to finally not worry about all of the, the nitty gritty details. Now I do have my husband works with me. My son works with me. So it's great to hear about your mom and, and your relationship. And in fact, it sounds like you were really blessed to have such great parents, uh, let alone a great mother. Um, that's, you know, you're so fortunate because she sounds like she's really uh, wise to, to yes. set you up, you know, not set you up uh, financially, but set you up uh, just in every other way for your success to teach you, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think if I look back at, at the one thing that my mom really taught me above all was positive thinking. And I can remember as a kid, I mean, this is back in like fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, like young, young, young. My mom always listening to Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and all these all these gurus like uh, Tony Robbins. And and she's always buying the tapes and bringing them home and we're listening to them in the car. And for the first part of, of being exposed to that, I was like, oh, mom, this is all mumbo jumbo. It doesn't work like that. You can't just ask the universe for whatever you want and it provides it. And I was really kind of turned off by it, which I think a lot of people kind of turn their nose up because they think it's just too it's just too ridiculous. And then I started watching my mom's success and I started watching her really kind of win after win after win and success after success after success. And I looked around and I saw here are these other people with the opposite attitude that are like struggling through life, that are fighting everything, that are, you know, kind of really kind of drudging through. And they didn't have anywhere near the success my mom had. So for me, I just put the two together and said, well, I guess positive thinking does create that success. I'm going to move in that path. So that's really what I did is I followed that. And and I've always been a very positive, a very optimistic person. I'm driven and I failure means nothing to me. Every time I fail, I just know that I just learned something to make me stronger to go back and try again. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I was curious, you know, like it sounds like, you know, Think and Grow Rich. I'm sure your your mom read that and you've probably read that book, Napoleon Hill, if you're, if you're yeah. talking about Zig Ziglar and, and all the all the greats. So what do you from how do you go about like 
every year for me, goal setting, I always do my birthdays in December. So it's just kind of a great time of year every year for the beginning of the year. I'll do an end of the year assessment of myself and my business, my you know relationships, personal and business wise. And then I, I do a vision board every January or usually in December for to kick off January for January 1st. Do you have a method or methodology as far as your goal setting? How, how do you, what does that look like for you as far as how do you do that for yourself? Yeah. So not only do I do it for myself, we do it for our entire team. So we start our planning for 2018. We've already completed our uh, our team retreat. We did it in early October. The reason that we do it in October is because we know the actions you take in November and December are going to make your January and February. So if you're setting your goals in December, you're already, you know, you're not going to have anything happening from those goals until at least February or March because you've started too late. Mm. So we start right now in October. We start planning out our visions. We also did a vision board, but we even go further than that. So I think that, you know, if you do, if you look at the Harvard studies of uh, setting goals, and they, they followed, uh, you know, it was a couple of thousand students from Harvard as they graduated over a 20 or 30 year pro- uh, span. And they followed the people who wrote down their goals. And they were like 48 percent more successful than the people who didn't write down anything. And then the people who wrote down their goals and then looked at them at a continuous basis. So monthly, weekly, daily, those people were like 78 percent more successful than even the people that just wrote them. And then the the people who wrote them, looked at them on a regular basis and had someone like a coach or an accountability partner help hold them accountable to their goals. They were like a thousand percent more successful than even the people who wrote down their goals. So to me, it's it's you got to put steroids on that. So we set all our goals. Then we break down our goals. So if you told me, okay, I'm going to sell 36 houses this year, I'm going to say, great. Now let's break down where are those 36 coming from? Well, uh, I'm going to do open houses. Great. How many open houses do you think you'll do throughout the year? Two a month. Okay, 24 open houses. And out of those 24, how many will actually give you a buyer, a seller, an actual client you'll close? Probably not every one. So every other one. Okay, great. So your goal is 36. We've just determined that you're going to get 12 from open houses. So you need to schedule two open houses every single month. Now, where are we getting the other 24? And then we go to the next method and the next method and we break it down. So it's so clear exactly where that stuff's coming from. And then on a daily and weekly basis, we review that. All right. How many open houses did you do this week? I did one. Perfect. And where are you for the month? I've already done my two. And I actually think I might do a third because I, I'm a little behind on my goal. Or I did my two and I'm going to take the next two weekends off and go, you know, travel with my family or whatever because I'm on pro, I'm on I'm on point and I'm following the, the the plan. So we are we are really, really, really high on the goal setting, but then holding those goals accountable. So I don't tell anybody on my team what they need to sell or how many houses they need to sell. I let them set the number and then I hold them accountable to that number. So I have agents on my team that have set a goal for 70 or 80 homes and I hold them accountable exactly the same way as I held somebody that said, I want to sell, you know, 30 homes or 24 homes. You know, I, I don't judge their, their goal. I just judge their activities to hit their goal. Wow. What, what about the um, like your admin and things like that, your staff that's not in sales? Do you do the same type of a, 
uh, you know, do you do, do goal setting and that, that type of thing with them as well or, or no? Yeah, absolutely. So it just gets a little, a little bit trickier, but once you get the hang of it, it actually goes really smoothly. So, uh, you know, for example, my, uh, one of my admin is really strong, great personality, very smart, really dedicated. She is just takes ownership of everything she does. So with her, what we do is we set a five-year plan in motion. Like she is an admin making, you know, whatever it is, thirty or thirty-five thousand a year, and she wants to get to forty or forty-five or fifty-five or sixty-five or a hundred thousand. So how do we set that plan in motion? So I'm very clear that every job on our team has a salary, and that salary doesn't change just because you've been with us for a certain amount of time. So I always use McDonald's as my uh, as my example. When you go to McDonald's and you get hired to be the fry cook, you get paid $11 an hour. So now if you stay at that job for three, four, five years and you become the best fry cook in all of McDonald's, do you know what you get paid? <laughs> the same. <laughs> $11 an hour. So what, what I'm learning from that is that's what the job is worth to McDonald's. Now, if you have somebody who's grown to be the best fry maker on the planet, then what do you want to do with that person? You know, listen, if you're willing to to step up and start working the drive through, that job's worth $12 an hour. If you want to go to the, the registers of the front line, that's $13 an hour. If you're ready to get to assistant manager, that's $15 an hour. If you're ready to manage the whole store, that's $28 an hour, whatever it may be. But you set that path in front of them. And then they decide whether they want to go after it. So for, for example, my assistant or one of my assistants wants to be in charge of the entire administration department. That's her goal. So the goals that we set for her this year were she had to find, hire, and train a replacement for herself. So when she set her goals, if her goal is to find, hire, and, and uh, train her replacement for herself so she can move to the next role, what would be her monthly goal? Well, first, I need to learn how to hire. So it's taking classes like career visioning, which is held with uh, Keller Williams. It's going to, you know, uh, learning all the behavioral assessments and why we use them and how we use them. It's shadowing me when I'm interviewing other people. So now she has an entire month or two month goal of learning how to hire. And then her next month goal is, all right, now I need to get some interviews in here and I need to you know, progress through with interviews to figure out who I like and who I don't like. And I need to set And then the next month is I need to set a plan for when this person starts. What am I going to teach them? And then they realize, well, wait, before I start teaching them, I really should write everything I do down and be very clear about my activities so that when I'm teaching it, somebody knows exactly what they're doing. So all of a sudden, their goals are no different. Their goal at the end of the year is to hire, train, and, and replace themselves. But now their monthly goals, their weekly goals, their daily goals are all around the taking the necessary steps to get there. That's really fascinating. I've never really heard anybody say that as far as like finding, you know, having having an employee find their own replacement and, and you know, hire them and train them. <laughs> That's a great concept. I like it because it gives that ownership of it, basically of its success, you know? Yeah. If, if you want to be in a position where you're running our entire admin department, then you absolutely know, need to know how to hire and you absolutely need to know how to train. And then third, you need to learn how to lead. So those are the three aspects that we work on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with her is how to hire, how to train and how to lead. 
Wow, that's just really fascinating. I, I would think, uh, would you feel with such a large team at this point with 30, 30 people, especially um, admin uh, that maybe are not getting paid like a, a sales, a listing agent or a buyer's agent, you know, that maybe, you know, a 1099, is it, do you feel, I, I'm just curious, do you feel stressed sometimes over having such huge responsibility of, of your business and other people's lives and their incomes? I, Sometimes I feel that way. Just that's that's why I asked the question. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, and that, that's a great question. That's a great question. And where that stems from is number one: you have to believe in the product that you're sh- you, that you're selling. You have to believe in the training that you're offering. So, like for me, I know that we've had enough people go through our training. We've improved it every single time we have a new hire. We go through the entire process and then we update and change and make better. And we're always constantly, constantly improving our systems. So I'm so confident at this point that when somebody comes in and begins to work with us, if they do exactly what we tell them and follow the directions and do exactly what's expected of them and do their activities, there's no way they can't succeed. What I find is the people that don't succeed with us are the ones that I was supposed to call 20 people in my sphere today, and I only called five. I was supposed to do two open houses this month, and I didn't do any. I was supposed to blah, blah, blah. So if people are doing what, they, what they're, they're really dictated to do or what the actions that are required to hit the success they wanted, when they're doing that, they're going to have me next to them as the biggest cheerleader, the biggest supporter, the one who's there to do anything I can to make sure they're successful. The people that don't, I don't really feel bad for them not succeeding because we've made it so virtually clear about how to succeed. And if they're not willing to take the actions, it might just not be the right job for them. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's, it's all about accountability and being you know, responsible for yourself. And you're rewarded if you do, and you're, you know, you're uh, not if you don't. (laughs) Sounds pretty, pretty basic to me, but uh, it sounds like a great, a great system. Are these, are these type of systems you're, you're talking about? Are these the types of things that you talk about in this agent to mega agent talk that you give? Um, Yeah, I talk about, so like one of the systems we use is a system called Lessonly. And that's a proprietary system that we have that takes every every one of our new hires through all the training. There's videos, there's quizzes, there's assessments, there's instructions on who to go shadow, when to go shadow them. There's interviews that you have to go out and complete and then come back and then upload your answers. So it's really a full, fully developed system that creates exactly the information we want to be taught it creates a spot where they can see everything, but it also is very interactive. You know, there's videos, there's uh, shadowing, there's, you know, interviewing other people and understanding how things work. So there's a lot more than just staring at a com- computer screen. The computer screen is the, the roadmap and it tells you where to go. So you're constantly coming in to check the roadmap, but then going back out to do whatever activities you need to do to, to succeed at the next level. Wow, that's very cool. It sounds like uh, you've you've really got something that agents can really, you know, latch on to and, and, you know, work with, and they don't have to to create the wheel themselves. You've already, you know, you've already done that for them to really kind of show them. Exactly. Well, tell us, um, I'm just curious. I know you have a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your podcast? 
Yep. So I do a terrible job at it. <laughs> um, let's just start off by that. Anybody listening, I'm I'm terrible at it. And the reason I'm terrible at it is, is really I haven't put enough effort and energy behind it. The concept is great, and I do it at a very high level with my team, but I haven't taken it on the road or taken it nationally yet. So the concept is called Fail Forward Friday. So if you go to failforwardfriday.com, you'll see all our information. You'll see the podcast. You'll see a couple of the, the videos and the recordings and things like that. But I'm not doing enough to update it on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. So that's a work in progress. But the concept is this. In order to succeed in anything worth succeeding in, you're going to fail before you succeed. So if you think about any accomplishment you've ever earned in your life that you felt proud of, think back to when you first started on that journey and all the mistakes you made and all the problems that arose and all the things that you had to overcome. Failure is not the negative uh, connotation that we hear in society. Failure is a teacher. When we learn to walk, how many times does a baby fall before they learn how to walk? And could you imagine if he fell once and said, well, I'm not doing that again. I don't want to fail. You'd never learn how to walk. So it's really simple. On our team, failure is simply a teacher. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to hide or shy away from. It is, in fact, it's the opposite. You should be running towards failure as fast as you can. Because the faster you make failures, the faster you learn from those, and the faster you get to succeed. So I always equate it to uh, learning how to swim. So if I said to you, okay, I want you to learn how to swim, you have six months. And you spent the first month reading every single book you possibly could about swimming, about techniques, about how it all works. And then the next month, you spent the entire month watching YouTube videos, watching instructions, you know, learning. Then the next month, you spent uh, looking for a coach and interviewing coaches and trying to figure out who the best coach is. And then the fifth month, you're finally ready to get in the pool. So now you're going to research pools and which one you're going you're gonna to join and all that. And then six months, you get in the water. You give me a kid that does none of that and just jumps in the water day one. By the end of the week, they're going to know more and be a better swimmer than the person who did all the research and all the planning and all the preparation. Now, I'm not saying you don't plan and you don't prepare and you don't do those things. I think those are equally important, but you also have to take action. You have to get in the pool and learn what does it feel like to be in the water? What does it feel like to make those strokes? What does it feel like to, you know, to, to be in that environment? So I push people all the time on our team that if you're not making mistakes, then either you're lying to yourself and you're trying to hide it or you're not pushing yourself enough. You're not trying hard enough. So every Friday we have a call with our entire team and it it always ends up being everyone's favorite call of of the week. It's called Fail Forward Friday, where everyone is able to share what they failed at that week, what they learned from it and what they can do better next week. So this is not a uh, this is not a I failed. Let's all feel sorry for me. No, this is hey, I had a failure. I reflected on it, and this is what I'm going to do to move forward to be even better next week. So now I'm motivated next week to be even better than I was last week. So it's constant improvement. And all of a sudden, when you take that failure and you allow people to share, and you allow people to get vulnerable, and you allow people to to know it's a safe place that they can come and talk about their failures. 
you empower them to, to look at those failures as a way to succeed, as a way to learn. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. That's, that's definitely something that uh, you hear people all the time. They, they don't want to talk about their failures. They only want to talk about their successes. And, and it's really in the failures that makes them super interesting. And I mean, those dips in life where you're chugging along and then you fail, but then by the time you get yourself back up and, and rise to the occasion, you surpass where you were to begin with before you ever failed. And, and that's the whole, the whole point. And I see so many people that are, I would say kind of perfectionist mentality that they, they just, like you were saying earlier about how your personality is that you, it doesn't have to be perfect. Exactly. You know, that's exactly why you're able to, to do what you do because some, some people who go through life that they, they, they want everything perfect before they do it. Then they just don't do very much because they're just, because nothing's ever perfect. I mean, is it really not, you know, not, not very often is anything truly perfect and, and that, that would be subjective anyway. But so I just feel like that's such a good point. And the fact that you do that with that, you know, fail forward Fridays to kind of almost celebrate sounds like, uh, everyone's failures. I'm sure people are during the week thinking, Ooh, this is a good one for Friday's call. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And think about what that changes in your attitude when every time you fail, instead of being like, Oh man, I screwed up. Instead, you're like, Oh, this is going to be a great failure. Cause I already know what I learned from it. And I already know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. Well, what is what yeah. Nick, I've got to ask you, what is, just give us an example of what is your, what was your worst day where you were like, this just sucks. I, this is horrible. Oh my God. I'm not going to recover from this. What was name something that is your worst failure? Cool. That's a really good question. And because I'm such a ridiculous optimist, I usually forget about my failures very soon, uh, very quickly. I would say one of my biggest failures, and it was on a personal side, was uh, getting divorced. When I got married, I thought, this is it. I'll be married for the rest of my life. Like I, that, I was 100% bought into the idea of marriage and, and doing it. And I thought I had the right person. I thought everything was great. You know, Unfortunately, she ended up cheating on me. And when I found out, it was very early in our marriage. It was in the first uh, month or two of the marriage when I found out. And I had to take a real hard look at what did I do to cause this? What could I have done differently? You know, how did I choose the person I decided to marry? Did I did I did I do that in a wise way? Did I look at all the signals, all the signs? Like, what are all the things that I could have done differently? And, you know, looking back on that, it was one of the best events of my life because it it led me to, you know, my now wife, Emily, and learning how important you know, your upbringing, your morals, your social background is like all of those things that I took for granted and just said, well, it's a cool person. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. I realized that's not really how to succeed at anything. You really need to kind of dig into it and find that right person that matches all the things that that you're looking for. And then you match all the things that they're looking for. And now, you know, we've been happily married for a year no one knows this because today we are only eight weeks pregnant. So I'm assuming this won't go out for another couple of weeks, right? right? That's right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we are eight weeks pregnant today, which no one else knows literally <laughs> besides my parents. So yeah. So when you guys all hear that, hopefully it's, uh, you know, uh, November or December. So that way I don't get in trouble for saying it. 
But now I couldn't be happier with the direction my life is and, and where I am that now. That is so great. Congratulations on that. And what, you know, what an amazing story, you know, and what, a, what and, and you're so right, you know, the, the values that people have and, you know, it's not just about, oh, this person is great looking. Uh, I want to, you know, marry this person. It's really about what are their values in life? How, how do they, you know, how they're going to go through life as your partner. So, I mean, I think that's just so, so great that, you know, you ended up with Emily and congratulations, my goodness, eight weeks. That's fantastic. That's going to be such an amazing journey in and of itself. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I want to just wrap up with a couple of uh, quick questions. What is, if you can think of just off the top of your head, what's the best advice anyone ever, anyone ever gave you? If you want something, set a plan in action and take the action steps to get there. So everybody wants a nice car, a nice house, a big income. Are you willing to actually plan out exactly what it takes to get there and then do those, those aspects or do those actions when you, when the mood has left you? When we're excited and can't wait to do something, yeah, we can jump on it all day long. Yeah, I know where I'm going. I can't wait to do it. But when the mood leaves you and you just don't feel like getting up and making those calls, you don't feel like going to those appointments, you don't feel like that's the difference maker. Uh, I always equate it to the gym. When I go to the gym, I go at five in the morning, uh, Monday through Friday. And I got to tell you, the hardest time in the world is the first five seconds of after my alarm goes off. Because all I want to do is stay in bed and not do anything. And if I get up, I know that I'll brush my teeth. I'll go downstairs. I'll get my gym clothes. I'll go to the gym and my day will be fantastic. But in that five seconds, if I decide, you know what? I've worked really hard. I just want to sleep in a little bit. I haven't got a lot of sleep. All of a sudden, I allow myself to not do the activities. It changes the aspect of everything. So if you want to win... Set your plan of action and then take action every single day, regardless of how you feel. That's awesome. So can you share one of your personal habits that you do every day that you feel like contributes to your success? Or is that it right there, going to the gym? Or is there another Yeah, habit? I'd say going to the gym is the the tipping point for me. So, you know, there's a five second rule that, that I, uh, I I wrote about in a blog. You'll, you can get it on Fail Forward Friday. And it talks about the first five seconds when something pops into your brain and your brain says, hey, we should do this. That is your logic telling you what you need to do. Within five seconds, the emotional side of your brain will jump in and tell you all the reasons you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, you don't need to do it, you can skip it for now, it's okay, and it gives you permission to kind of back off of it. Now, that's your natural biological response from when we were cavemen and we were like, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go run over here. And then that emotional side stepped in and said, wait a minute. There could be lions or tigers. You don't want to run around there yet. You want to take your time, slow down. So we don't really need that anymore. We're not really in these life and death situations anymore. So if you act within the five seconds, you don't like that. You don't let that emotion come and take away that action or that idea that you had or, or that direction you wanted to go. So I always say within five seconds, take action. So if you take the, the gym, at, my alarm goes off at 445 in the morning, that first five seconds if I get up in that first five seconds, I know I'm going to go to the gym and get a good workout in. I'm going to come back. And because I've had a good workout, I'm also going to eat something healthy for breakfast because I don't want to ruin all the work I just put in. 
And then once I have something healthy, I'm going to feel in a good mood. I'm going to talk to my wife and, and spend a little time with her before we both you know, shower and head off to work. When I get to work, I'm going to get there slightly earlier because now I've been up since 5 a.m. Uh, everything's charged up and going. When I start my first meeting, when I start my first phone call, I've been up for three, four, five hours at this point. So it's very easy to roll right into my day and get going and get things going. And all of this goes back to the five seconds I was laying in bed deciding if I was going to get up or not. That's awesome. So the first five seconds <laughs> that matters. Yeah. Well, what uh, my last exactly. question for you, Nick, is, is there, I know you read lots of books, it sounds like, um, and so do I. I like to always ask people, what is, if you could recommend only one book, what would that be? I think the biggest book that I've been pushing lately is a book called The One Thing from Gary Keller and uh, Jay Papazon. The One Thing is really, it's putting the 80-20 principle on steroids and really kind of not focusing on the top 20%, but focusing on the one thing that if you do can make everything else you want either easier to achieve uh, or or unnecessary. I don't even need to do it anymore because I've already gotten there. That, that is a great so book. The one I, thing, I did read that and it talks about something about 1% is difficult, 99% is a breeze or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a great book. And what I like about that is it's not real estate specific. That is for anybody in life can read that book and get something. Yeah, out that, of it. that is a great one. That that is, and and it's actually a, it's not that uh, big of a read. You could read it probably on a long airplane ride. It's it's you know it's not a big yeah. heavy heavy duty book. But uh, well, I just want to thank you so much, Nick, for for joining us and sharing so much information and just really being a, a great inspiration, not just in real estate, but for anybody who wants to you know. Not just even, even anybody who wants to run a business or, or be a, an entrepreneur, but just in life, just life principles. Uh, I think people can really take something from that. Where can people find you just so that they know? Okay. They can go to, uh, to failforwardfriday.com. They can get all my information on there. NickWaldner.com as well. You can jump on there. So I'm pretty easy to find. If you just Google Nick Waldner, W-A-L-D as in doctor, N as in nurse, E-R, it's my, all my information will pop up, you know, from the TV show and all that. You know, they've done a really Google's done a very good job of keeping <laughs> up top. That's awesome. Well, I, I hope to meet you in person sometime soon since I'm in Maryland. Uh, I'm in the southern end, you know. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're down south, of course, from where you're at. But um, anyway, again, thank you so much, Nick Waldner. And that wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. And remember, take time to create a master plan for your life and take charge of it because people who fail to plan, plan to fail. So if you like what we're doing here, get off the treadmill just for a minute. Get on your phone and subscribe to the Pitbull Patty Show. It's free. You'll be notified of all new episodes. And you can also go to pitbullpattywithanai.com or find us on Facebook at Pitbull Patty. See you next time.